Hi, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Modern Maker Podcast. My name is Mike Montgomery, along with our other two hosts, Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hello. And Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture. What's up, everyone? So, Ben, why don't you go ahead and take the reins and let everybody know what we're doing. Well, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I've watched a lot of your guys' videos and excited to explore this new medium with you. Uh, bear with us. This is our first episode, so we're still figuring out our format. But I hope you trust from the content of ours that you have seen that uh, this podcast could have a lot of potential. Really excited to explore the world of design and making with you two. And uh, also looking forward to having this new platform for audience interaction. I know with YouTube, uh, answering the comment sections can can get a little burdensome and feel like <laughs> homework. But an audio thing like this where we can take some of those questions and riff about them is something I'm super excited uh, about. Um, so it's a, it's a great way of turning my uh, video content uh, experiences at over at Homemade Modern. Uh, into something where we can be a little bit more thoughtful. That's awesome. So some people may not know Homemade Modern or what you do, so why don't we just kind of go around and explain you know, what we do individually, what kind of content we create, uh, for those who may not have been introduced to us yet. So Ben, why don't you go ahead and get us started again? Yeah, so my channel is Homemade Modern. Uh, I have a background in architecture uh, where I spent years designing things for other people in a very client-facing uh, version of design. Uh, experimented around the tech world for a bit and uh, figured out a lot of sort of digital media practices. And once I sold my last sort of tech company and was really thinking about what I wanted to do next, I knew I wanted to be more hands-on with design and making. I wanted to physically uh, make stuff and actually deal with all those sort of visceral fun and, and sometimes frustrating parts and not just sort of design things on paper that other people would build for me. So I uh, started a homemade modern about about three years ago, and it's just it's just been so much fun. Uh, I mean, mostly because of all the internet fame. To be honest, no, <laughs> uh, no, it's just such a great way to take an idea, test it out, build it, and then share it with a bunch of other people all in a short amount of time. So, super excited about uh, how how. The internet is enabling designers and makers to have like this whole other different type of uh, career. Absolutely. And now looking to take it to the next level with podcasting. Yeah. Chris, why don't you, uh, I know a little bit about you. I know uh, <laughs> you're an awesome woodworker and you Thank make you. stuff that I feel like uh, I'd worry about really heavy people sitting on sometimes, but, uh, looking, <laughs> I get looking, a lot of those looking, comments. Yeah. <laughs> looking forward to tease you about that and, uh, hear a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so uh, I'm Chris. I make furniture for skinny people. Um, no, <laughs> but actually, just to go <laughs> to go back a little bit, I want I want to piggyback on the sentiment that uh, Ben started with. I thought that was kind of funny. You know, basically, we're saying, you know what, we're gonna suck right now, but give us like two, three years tops, and this is gonna be a very mediocre podcast. I can guarantee that <laughs> at least. Um, no, but anyway, so yeah, my name's Chris Salamone. Um, I've been doing YouTube for a, almost a year now. My channel is called Four Eyes Woodworking and Design. Um, I make at this point it's all it's all been woodworking. Um, someday I hope to get into some other mediums, but you know, pretty much minimal modern kind of furniture. Um, before that, I built furniture for clients for about four years, um, and I guess just got kind of burnt out of it 
at some point and wanted to try doing new things and explore new new ideas that I didn't have time to explore. And that's what kind of prompted me to go to YouTube. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm in maybe a slightly different position than the two of you in that I actually got to watch both of you guys for, you know, a couple years before I ever even made a video. So it's kind of surreal, you know, getting to meet the people that you were watching on. I don't know if I'll call it TV, but, you know, <laughs> you guys were like very, very, very mini celebrities to me at some point, I guess. <laughs> well, and now we're major celebrities, so this right. is this is the natural progression of things. Well, they say you shouldn't you shouldn't meet your idols, and uh, I wouldn't say you guys were my idols, but but it's still proving yeah. to be true. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, Mike, why don't you give us a little bit of background about you? Yeah, so my name's Mike Montgomery, and I run the channel Modern Builds. I've been doing it for coming up on two years now, and the whole goal is just uh, giving people that are new to making content to build off of. Uh, inspiration for people that are just starting and maybe not as experienced as someone like Chris or ready to build things that Chris is making. So something that can get them further along in their journey to making. So yeah, that's what I've been doing and that's my goal. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I've met some really cool people doing it and I'm excited to see what this podcast has for us. So that sort of covers the basics and I'm sure we'll get into our origin stories as we as we go on for the thousands of episodes that we're about to produce but uh uh what are you guys currently got on your in your shops right now what are you guys working on chris so right now i'm actually working on something that's a little bit more in the vein of what you guys do i'm i'm doing a coffee table that... concrete and terrible <laughs> <laughs> exactly no 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 i'm do... still woodworking still trying to make it as elegant as possible because that's me. I'm an elegant guy. Yeah. Um, no, but it's it's basically something that you could build with only a couple of tools. So basically, as long as you have either a table saw or a, or a you know a circular saw that can tilt the blade to 45 degrees and a drill, you could build this table. Not counting you know like glue and clamps and sanding it and that kind of stuff. But gotcha. you know so just like. You're going more Go away from like the like the the sort of wood shop tools to the more sort of like contractor kind of handheld tools kind of a thing. Yeah, or? I'm still. I mean, I'm still using the tools that I have just because I didn't right. want to go out and buy other tools just to make this video. But um, I just I thought it would be something that would be interesting and maybe be more accessible to people. And actually, it's funny because I was talking to Mike about this the other day, and it kind of triggered an idea in my head to maybe do a new series where I focus on that kind of stuff. I was thinking about calling it like the backyard builder or something like that, or backyard builds where I'd actually do it in a totally different environment and use different tools and, you know, not switch all to that, but just to kind of put myself in a different frame of mind and put that sort of, um, put yourself in a box where you have to think of things differently. I think that's yeah, great. It's, yeah. It's one of the interesting things about what we do is that uh, we often all get lumped into groups like woodworking or sort of YouTubers and stuff like that. But there's actually like a whole bunch of variations within the type of content that people make, right? Some people make things uh, more for sort of demonstration purposes, right? Where they're not producing plans or the, the intent isn't for other people to replicate it. So they can do really crazy one-off things because they're not really – there isn't that expectation from the audience for them to sort of, oh, I'm going to take those plans and then go and build it. With the three of us, what I think is sort of interesting and one of the common threads uh, is that there's, to varying degrees, we all sort of are, are involved with the sort of sharing design, not just demonstrating our abilities to make something sort of for ourselves or for a client. Um, so that was one of the things that I, was really important to me as like a background for designer is 
I think that's that's such a cool part of what we do is not just sort of say, hey, watch me do something, but there is sort of a direct uh, educational sort of intent and the hope that it'll influence somebody to have physical action on the other side of the computer screen. Yeah, totally. Like it's, I always think it's funny. I'll get comments from people where they'll say like, hey, man, do you mind if I build that? And it's like, yeah, of course, absolutely. Like, I would love it if you did it. Like, that's kind of one of the joys of doing this is when people send you pictures of like, hey, look, I replicated this, but maybe I changed this little thing to make it my own. So, I mean, yeah, I always think it's funny that like people would think that like I'm putting myself out there on YouTube and then I'm at the same time just going to like want to hoard these ideas or something. Yeah, I think that's a really cool part of it is when people, you know, tag you in pictures of things they've built built based on your designs, but they change up, you know, this aspect or that aspect about it. I think that's the really cool part about it and why I don't usually share a ton of dimensions and measurements too specifically. Uh, It kind of lets people, you know, get the idea of what to build, but not telling them exactly how to build it. That way they get room to, you know, put in their own artistic inspirations in there and build you know, what they want to make, not necessarily what I tell them to make. Right. And again, that's one of the things I'm excited about for doing a podcast, right, is we can talk a little bit more behind the scenes about some of the things that, I don't know, sometimes people complain about (laughs) that we don't give in our our primary means of distributing content. So, uh, yeah, the even with what you just said, like, right, sort of like whether or not to sort of put specific dimensions, it's so interesting how for some people that the sort of watch – my content, they'll find that totally debilitating if I don't put, oh, this is exactly 39 inches and this is like 48. They won't get that it's sort of totally scalable. That No, you could make this dining room table five feet long or you can make it five and a half feet long. The height is probably going to be the more sort of set things. Probably don't want it to be too high, otherwise your chairs won't fit. But uh, no, it's it's one of the things I'm looking forward to sort of uh, uh, chatting about in addition to all the fun shop talk is, you know, how do we think we're communicating and how can we sort of do it better and what are some of the next sort of innovative ways we can use the internet to do that? Awesome. So then I guess that kind of naturally takes us into the main topic that we wanted to talk about for this first episode, which is pretty much the question, why do a podcast? So I don't know if anybody wants to start off or if you guys want me to start off, but... I think one of the big reasons that I wanted to start a podcast or be part of a podcast is one of the reasons Ben just kind of highlighted was we get, at least in my videos, I don't get the chance to throw out too much personality or too much, you know, conversation out there. It's more instructional content. So this kind of gives me an opportunity to, you know, be able to express more of my opinions, more of, you know, what I'm into, what I like, rather than just showing people how to make furniture it's an opportunity to, to to just chat and discuss furniture, which I think is you know a really cool opportunity. Yeah, for for me, I think one of the great ways it's it's a way to capture and share more of what doesn't make it to the video, right? So yeah. with the videos I produce, I'm normally showing the final outcome, but I, I might not be showing a lot of the failed experiments along the way, or I might not be going into depth about sort of what I would do differently next time, you know, you know, uh, at least in great detail. Uh, the other thing that I think is great is that it allows us to talk about more sort of tangential things as where the ideas for our, the projects that people see actually came from. Um, and with sort of, you know, I think all of us are, you know, the other sort of common thread more stylistically is that I think that all of our work would be a little bit more on the sort of modern end of the spectrum, um, which I think is really great because I think it's like a overall in sort of woodworking uh, 
it's often a little bit underrepresented <laughs> relative to traditional stuff. A little um, bit. So what I'm excited about is that we're not just going to be sharing sort of our best tip for doing dovetail uh, uh, connections. <laughs> There'll actually be a little bit of talk about sort of design inspiration too. Who here has never done a dovetail? I've never done a dovetail. I've never done one. I did one a long time ago, um, and with those like with those like <laughs> Get fingery, those fingery sort of router joint things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was it was kind of it was one of those types of woodworking things that I always found like a little bit stressful, where you're just afraid that you have it like a sixteenth of an inch off, and you're gonna have to then recut and plane down the whole side of a drawer. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that so this is ex- like a great example, right? I'm excited to talk about the things I don't do just because I have this sort of like mental block of like anxiety and wasted material and all those things. So uh, talking about the sort of mental ergonomics of different techniques, I think will be fun. Yeah, I think stuff like that, like I've always viewed it as I would do it if I mean, especially now that I'm making videos where like time becomes so much more important. And sometimes those little details like don't even really translate onto the video that well. So I feel like if I were to even do something like that, it would have to be like the focal point of the design. Like, you know, it wouldn't just be, oh, I'm making my box drawers using dovetails. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to justify putting that much time into something no one's going to see. At least for what we're doing. I mean, it's different <laughs> if you're making, you know, a piece of furniture that you're selling for $8,000 to a person and, you know, they're going to want to see those little touches when they open it up. But yeah. And I think it's different, different when you're not trying to put out, you know, as much content as you possibly can. You know, if you have right. the time to sit back and spend two days making, you know, drawers, then that's fine. But, you know, if I'm trying to put out a video every week or two, maybe that's not the best choice, for, you know, for me at least. Yeah. For, for me, it's always one of those things that I feel like, when, when I when I have that question, am I who am I adding, or, or I'm faced with a question of like, should I make it more complex with the and more laborious, but with the more sort of technically correct sort of woodworking option, versus the kind of semi kind of hacky way that I would do it if no right. one was looking, kind of a thing. Yeah, um, it's an interesting question of, of of audience and who you feel like you're doing your work for, right? Right. If I feel like I'm doing it in front of all my friends that are really awesome woodworkers and makers, I tend to feel a little more peer pressure to kind of, oh no, I need, I need to have cool joinery in these things, even if they're not visible because they're judging me. <laughs> uh, but when I think about it, it's like, no, how do I encourage somebody that, you know, hasn't really made anything before to make their first project? Right. Then it's a, when I imagine that sort of audience watching the videos, uh, it's totally different. Um, so, that's my big excuse. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that's an excuse for all my shoddy craftsmanship. Uh, but no, that's why I like to think of things like, you know, why I stack plywood rather than try to do right angle connections. Because the first time I've tried to do right angle connections, I mean, now I could probably do them. Um, but the first time I tried to do it, they came out a little bit wonky. And I know that, like, for a lot of people, when they get that first sort of mistake, ooh, that can be really debilitating. So. But then again, you know, like you said, you could probably do it now, but it's almost sort of your style to do that. So, you know, maybe it's, you know, you may look at it like I can't do this or, you know, this is what's holding me back. But in reality, it could be, you know, attributing to making your work unique. So you don't always have to look at something like that in a bad way. Man, I'll tell you what, I just noticed we just very quickly got derailed and went off onto a tangent when we were trying to answer the question of why start a podcast. Man. So we, we want to start a podcast to not make dovetails. Yeah, is what that's we, it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, so Mike, you already told us, Ben 
Is that how we got onto Dovetails? No, I don't even remember. I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I think, think we was, just okay. haven't heard why that you want to start one. That was an example of what we wanted to do, why we wanted to do a podcast. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so we I'll can go complain now. about Dovetails. Yeah, so what's yeah. in it for you, Chris? So a couple things. Um, first off, I've, you know, I love listening to podcasts, and I think it's just kind of a different relationship that you have with those people. It's just more casual, kind of what you guys were already talking about. Um, you know, off-the-cuff things that you're talking about, like we've already displayed over the past 19 minutes um second you gotta admit it's pretty appealing to be able to do you know an hour and 15 minutes of work to come up with an hour of content yeah when we're all used to i don't know how long it takes you guys but for me like you know to make a 10 minute video by the time i've designed it built it edited it all that stuff i mean it's like a good 40 to 50 hours sometimes to produce that video yeah yeah and i I think it's also a chance to sort of uh interact more with the sort of community that we're a part of uh there's audience and then there's sort of community there's a lot of you know we all know each other uh first as sort of audience members of each other's channels but then eventually sort of realizing that we're doing similar and connected things began sort of you know talking first through comment sections and then email and then phone calls and now recording stuff together so that there's that smaller group within the bigger audience. And I think that's another reason why we're interested in podcasting is we all like yeah. a lot of the same stuff, but <laughs> we're, we're different ages. We're in different life situations. We're in different parts of the country. So this is like a, another reason why to do a podcast is it's a great chance for us to commiserate over the things that we have in common, like a hatred of dovetails, yep. but also sort of uh, <laughs> share sort of ideas that might have sort of regional differences, right? I'm yeah. always fascinated that even within like a store like Home Depot where a lot of the layouts are the same regionally, they'll have totally different things available sort of East Coast versus West Coast, right? Like I can always find four by eights when I go to my Home Depot in LA, Man. but in Boston, like I only get like four by fours. That's as big or as it like, gets here as well. Yeah. So that's the other thing I'm excited. Like Mike, where are you exactly? Oklahoma City. And Chris? I'm basically in a suburb of Los Angeles. Right. So it's like, and I'm in Boston right now. So, you know, we cover between the three of <laughs> yeah. us, we're covering like a, a pretty nice spectrum of the, of the country and uh, uh, super excited for you know, sharing all the little differences that we are experiencing in those ways too as makers. Yeah. So I guess another reason or maybe the more core reason is when I thought about this first topic, the, the question of, you know, why start a podcast? I kind of thought about how maybe in the past I haven't put myself out there as much as I feel I could have or should have. And I think like my example of how I came to YouTube is sort of a microcosm of that. You know, like I said, I've been doing it for about a year, but I had actually wanted to do it for like a good year and a half or two years before I started. And so in this year, like I'd never, if you would have asked me a year ago where I thought I would be right now, there's no way I thought that I would have thought that I've have even come close to the level of success that I've had to this point. And so that's kind of made me think like, man, what if I would have done this two years before that? Like, where would I be right now? Right. And it's like, I feel like it's one of the few regrets that I actually have in my life of is kind of just wasting that time. So when I came to it, I kind of came to it with, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to focus on just trying to make good stuff. And then if I do that, opportunities are going to come along and I'll just have to be ready to take advantage of those opportunities. And so the chance to start a podcast with you guys is just kind of another one of those opportunities that I told myself I would take advantage of when 
when they came. And so I guess what I'm kind of saying is that if I've learned one thing over this past year, it would be that the more that you put yourself out there, the more comes back to you and the more opportunities that you get. So when I thought about it like that, instead of thinking of it as why do a podcast, it's almost like why not do a podcast? Yeah, that's good. All right, that's the end of the show. <laughs> also, I, we're going to make a lot of money doing this too, right? That's what oh, I was... Big, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are cash cows. Bankroll. Well, speaking of podcasts uh, and sort of that, uh, do you guys have any ones that you're sort of... I mean, I think podcasting for our sort of space is a relatively new thing. Uh, obviously, there's ones like uh, Making It and Reclaimed Audio, which uh, uh, if there are any similarities to previously mentioned podcasts are totally coincidental and not at all because <laughs> I've never all, listened to them. So yeah, yeah I'm not familiar not with the way you're talking about fans. actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, when I, when, uh, when I first started listening to those, I, you know, previously had listened to, you know, a, a whole collection of podcasts from sort of business to ones in sort of arts and science and things like that, sports, politics stuff. Um, but when, when I first started listening to making it, it was, it was, it was awesome. Like I didn't think at first I was thinking like, Oh, well this is, this is a a genre that I'm very familiar with. I'm not sure how much it can offer, but just, uh, you know, that sort of 45 minutes to an hour a week of just hearing people that are dealing with similar challenges, uh, and, uh, creative inspirational moments and things like that was, was really great. It was, it, again, I, I was really uh, felt like there was, there was a community there. And I think that's another reason why, you know, I want to be a part of this podcast is because uh, uh, hopefully we can do the same for some other people. Yeah, I can totally relate to what you're saying. Um, I, I listen to a lot of different types of podcasts as well. You know, the making ones like you just mentioned and a lot of like comedy ones, comedy bang bang. Um, I like to listen to Tim Ferriss just to get kind of like informational stuff or motivational stuff. Um, But yeah, like when I first started listening to the Making It podcast, I thought it was interesting because it very much wasn't what I was expecting it to be. I I thought it was a lot more like philosophical than I was expecting it to be. And so I always feel like when they're talking about different topics, like, oh man, I would love to chime in right here and say this, but you know, obviously I'd be talking to myself in my car, so I don't do it, but (laughs) yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of another motivating factor into doing it or another reason that would make you want to do it. Yeah. And I'm totally new to the whole world of podcasts. Uh, whenever making it came out, I guess a couple years ago, that was the first podcast I'd ever actually taken the time to listen to. And, and that was just because I had, or I had watched Jimmy Bob and, um, it sounds like Jimmy Bob's one person. Yeah, I know. Yeah, G- and that's because I Jimmy, already- <laughs> Jimmy 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 Bob David might be like one person. He's the best guy. <laughs> I could picture him with like a piece of corn coming out of his mouth or whatever, or a piece of hay. Straw, I had been whatever. I had been watching. I'm from Jimmy, Los Angeles. Yeah, I had been watching Jimmy Bob's and David's videos, so that was why I decided to give making it a chance. Was I was already into their content. So now I've so now after I started listening to them that's kind of opened the whole world of podcasts. I always thought it was, you know, something boring like talk radio, but I but I've been uh <laughs> but I've been I don't know what you would say. I've been pleasantly surprised at how good the content actually is. And it works oh great. God. How dare you talk trash about talk radio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it works great for what we do, you know. If you're in the shop sanding for 45 minutes, it's a lot better to listen to something constructive than just music, I think. Exactly. Do you guys use like the 
the ear protection, like noise canceling ones yeah. over the earbuds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to take like the good, like Bose noise canceling or your Beats by Dre into the shop. So, you know, it, it's using the cheap earbuds with the giant sort of 3M uh, right. foam covers <laughs> yeah. uh, over them. Big but uh, yeah, I just, no, I just exactly. Rec- right. There's I just a lot recently- of busy working what we do. So listening uh while we do it is is a nice is a nice multitasking yeah i just recently got some bluetooth headphones that are the they've got like 27 decibels noise reduction as well as you know bluetooth music capability so that's really cool that's been really nice as well something having something that makes it convenient to listen to music and podcasts in the shop is really nice rather than blaring the radio on 10 (laughs) Yeah, one of those little shop, yeah, the little contractor radios that always sound terrible. Yeah. Now, one of the other one of the other reasons why I think also specifically why I was interested in doing a potty uh, podcast, potty a cast. <laughs> potty. Uh, That's a different. Why thing. I was interested in doing a podcast with you guys uh, is also because we tend to do things a little bit more on the modern side, um, and I think that's a little bit underrepresented. So uh, I think that is you know, you know, looking at sort of. Sort of like a, not, I want to say younger, because I think Mike is the only one that's really that young. <laughs> uh, uh, but more on sort of like a contemporary sort of design approach. And there's also, I think, what's great about that is there aren't as many examples, right? Like if you look for like modern woodworking or modern sort of style furniture books, there isn't that whole legacy of content in the library. Right. So a lot of it's sort of making stuff up as we go. And I think that sort of really sets sort of a ripe stage for a lot of sort of shared struggles, shared discoveries and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, fine word working hasn't published, you know, a hundred volumes of sort of just this kind of style of, uh, of design and pieces. You know, it's funny. I actually get that question from people a lot. Like, hey, can you recommend any good design books with, you know, the type of furniture that you build? And I'm always like... I don't know if it's because of my laziness or because uh, I don't know how to read. I'll admit it. No, um, no, I don't know if it's that there aren't many or what. But yeah, I don't know of any. Yeah, it, I mean, they it, must it, be out there. there well, there's and, modern, you know, and that'll be I think you know for possibly for a future episode, really discussing what modern means to all of us. Uh, it can mean so many different things, right? Like. Uh, right now, sort of the mid-century modern, which is older than all of us right. <laughs> uh, in a lot of cases, uh, is having a huge sort of, you know, st- is, is incredibly stylistically popular. But modern yeah. can mean like that really sort of, you know, not my favorite genre, that sort of like cheesy, really super geometric, you know, 90s stuff mm-hmm. that was like very yeah. like Michael Graves-esque. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a version of, of modern in every period. Right. So... I think that'll be, you know, what, if, if, I think when I was first, you know, the, my first experiments with, with, with woodworking were, were quite young. And I remember thinking that, like, I didn't want to do traditional stuff and went to the library and checked out some, you know, some, some books. And they were, like, from the 80s and 90s. And it was just all these sort of, like, you know, inlays and uh, high contrast of, like, asymmetrical stuff. But uh, what, I, what I'm really excited about right now is that, I think we're sort of developing sort of like a younger, more sort of popular approach to sort of making, um, you know, I think at a, in this worst case scenario, it might get sort of typified as hipsterish. Um, <laughs> but 
in uh, the, 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 the better case is that it's more populist and we're creating more variety and filling in the gaps that maybe mainstream sort of you know, woodworking plan publishing uh, hasn't really gotten to yet. Yeah, and it's really filling the void. You know, for people that are interested in building modern modern furniture, there's not, like you said, the resources for people that are looking to make traditional style stuff. So, you know, what all this is is giving more people the opportunity to see what's out there and see that you can build modern furniture, and it's not as hard as you might think. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't so know. Just I get think... a slab of wooden that hairpin legs. Exactly. You're done, man. <laughs> done. And yeah, in a way, I kind of feel like if I, like if you put a gun to my head and force me to come up with like a quick, all-encompassing definition of what modern furniture is, it almost would kind of be just like free from ornate embellishments. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like almost. But then there are other styles that would, like right. you well, know, arts and crafts. And, 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 and this might be a discussion for a later day, but then that opens the whole thing is when you sort of leave out that sort of idea of extraneous sort of ornate furnishings, then the, 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 the details or the fetishized part almost becomes the minimalism, right? So you spend mm-hmm. all this time how to, how to figure out how to make a detail disappear, which almost because it's not the most logical way to do it, it's a really painstaking way, almost becomes yeah. another type of ornament unto itself, right. uh, which is <laughs> – which is kind of counterintuitive and weird, but uh, <laughs> one of the many things I'm looking forward to talking about. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think uh, we got a good road ahead of us. So with that, what do we actually think is going to – how should we go about setting uh, listener expectations for what we're going to do? Oof, that's a lot of pressure for somebody. Other than, other I just than say low. don't keep them very high. Keep the expectations <laughs> low. <laughs> there you go. As long as, as long as your expectations are low, we can meet them. Yeah. But That's in general, we're going to go for weekly. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And uh, we haven't decided fully on guests. For the most part, probably no guests. We figure with the, the three of us, we'll have more than enough yeah. to talk about. I'd say um, maybe at some point we'll do it. We'll just kind of see how it evolves. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of go with what you're saying, I, I it would be nice to have some kind of uh, community involvement, you know, where people can ask questions and give us stuff to riff on so that we're not, I mean... Even from a lazy point of view, you can just say so we don't have to come up with a topic every week. <laughs> no, it could I be think nice par- from that point of view. I think participation is is the thing, right? Like, uh, if you know, presumably we'll be uh, mentioning our podcast on our YouTube channel, so people will be yeah. sliding over from all of our channels, and they may have been following us for quite some time, but only seeing us, you know, at least in my case, moving at like two thousand percent speed <laughs> and not yeah. saying a whole lot to the camera. So, yeah. Uh, this is this is the platform where we want to sort of engage with the the questions or the things that you've always wondered that we've never really addressed in the other platforms that we work on. For sure. So yeah, I like that idea of you know this being a platform that's uh, motivated for participation, uh, not just the one way sort of listening. Um, and I think a big part of it is just keep it fluid. We want to do what you guys want to listen to. We don't, you know, we're not set to a specific standard and we're not set to a specific rule book on how we're going to make the show. So if anybody does have any cool suggestions or cool topics that you want to hear, uh, go ahead and go to our website and on our contact page. We've got a form where you can fill all that out. So if there's stuff you want to see, stuff you want to hear, let us know because we want to make it something that you guys want to listen to. Yeah, so I guess... Mike, we already have our website set up, so maybe we can just give that out right now so that somebody can have something to go to at this point while we're still setting everything else up. 
Yeah, so it's just modernmakerpodcast.com, and all of our information will be there. That's where we're going to be hosting all of the episodes, and we'll have links there to subscribe, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of that. And we'll probably go ahead and set up some like social media stuff, so once we do that, all of that information will be there on the website. Yep. So I feel like we've kind of exhausted our, our first topic, but you know, I, to kind of go with the what we've been talking about in terms of like, you know, what is this show going to be? I think obviously right now for this first one, we're like starting it from the most basic minimal point of view. And then, you know, hopefully in 10 episodes from now, we'll be at a place that, you know, maybe isn't even recognizable from this first one, but um, you know, it's going to kind of evolve into that. But I don't know if maybe right now we have a little time we could ask like a weird hypothetical question. I always like to come up with weird hypothetical questions. Let's do it. Just to kind of see how people respond to them. You guys want to do that? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have one. In, I, I feel like you already have one in mind. I do. And this is one that I, I actually wrote it in on another podcast one time and they, they answered it. I don't want to say on the air, I guess, but <laughs> on their podcast. Um, so here was the question. It was basically if you could somehow magically make a deal with somebody where you would wake up tomorrow morning and you'd be missing one of your fingers just from the first knuckle. So just, you know, from your fingernail to the first knuckle, finger of your choice. But in, in return for that, you would never have a serious workshop accident. Man, uh, would you take that deal? Just sort of front loading it. So it's like just losing like the, the last part of your little finger. Um, sure. Huh. You know, I would have to actually build out like an actuary table for that <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to see if like what the probability was. I would say no. Like uh, I'm I'm reasonably safe, and uh, uh, I don't use the table saw that much. No. Uh, <laughs> also, I feel like you know just in general with the way technology is is improving, that uh, you know I'm, I'm a firm believer that as things digitize and things like that, a lot of these things are getting safer and safer. Um, that was a pun at, right there. Digitize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not intended. Um, so yeah, I would actually say no, right? Like if, if it was, if it was this, if it was when I first started woodworking and was around sort of older woodworkers that, uh, you know, that often had a lot of injuries, specifically hand injuries. Um, you know, I, I think my thing, if I thought that was gonna be like a 30 or 40 year, you know, woodworker, Back then, I, I probably would have taken the deal. Um, but now, now, I would say no way. I think I'm on your side, too. I was kind of, whenever you first said it, I was leaning towards saying yes, because I swear I get more comments about watch my fingers whenever I use the table saw in my videos than most people. But, you know, I think it's the same thing. Is woodworking is only, is only going to get safer and safer the more time goes on. Plus, it's a hard thing to commit to, you know? I'm okay thinking maybe I might lose it, maybe I might not. But man, that would be a hard thing to just say, yep, take it. And how are they taking it off? Are they just chopping it off? Or you you, you wake up. Oh, You okay. wake up and magically it's just gone. So there's no trauma. You know, you're not actually, you're not getting it cut off. So that's a, I mean, that's a plus if you want to look at it that yes. way. <laughs> but I don't know. Chris, what about you? I would definitely take that deal. Dang. I feel like for me, like... I, I just feel like I wouldn't miss it that much, you know, if it was the I, I would research it just like Ben, <laughs> right. make myself a little table and figure out like what's the best finger to be missing. Yeah. But I feel like honestly, the worst part of something like that would be the trauma that would be associated with it more than right. like, I, I feel like it probably wouldn't affect your life that much. 
Um, you know, you might get some weird looks and stuff like that. And it's weird because when I started woodworking, I kind of had this feeling in the back of my head, like there's a very good possibility that at some point I'm going to experience something like this. Right. And I just have to like accept that. And, you know, hopefully it's not that bad. And obviously I, I think that's actually kind of a good mentality to have because it helps you to try to keep yourself safe because you have like, you fully believe that something's going to happen to you. Right. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's healthy to get fear. back to the, what's that? It's healthy fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's a healthy <laughs> it makes fear. You re- it keeps you on. Yeah. It makes you respect the tools. But yeah, I feel like, I just feel like I would have to take the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because I almost, I almost feel like most people would, I don't know what in my, I guess because I'm me, like, I feel like everyone's going to answer it that they would take the deal. But in my very micro study, uh, four people have not taken it and two people have. It is tempting, but I, I still feel like finger? at the end, I got to say no. But you get to choose the finger. Yeah. What finger, Chris? Oh, I'd probably do a ring finger on my left hand. I think that I remember reading one time that look because the pinky seems like the obvious one, but I think a lot of your strength actually comes uh, from your pinky. From closing like out a grip, yeah. Strength. Yeah. Interesting. So, ring finger on my left hand. Gone. <laughs> All right. So, Ben, I know you had a really cool idea for a segment in each of our episodes. So, why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell everyone about it? You know, when, when I talk to my other sort of creative friends, whether makers or designers, they're, they're always getting obsessed with some sort of subject matter. And it might not even be directly related to what they're doing. But I find that sort of creatives in general sort of have these sort of uh, obsessions. So one of the ways that we were thinking about sort of closing out our shows, at least for now, is sort of going around and talking about uh, what we're currently obsessed with. And now, since I'm sort of originating it, uh, I will take the lead. And right now, uh, if, you, if you ever go on Pinterest or Google Image and search for kuntsugi, which is this Japanese word that I might be butchering, which is terrible because I am half Japanese. <laughs> um, but it's this idea of sort of like repairing something so that it's better than what it was before. So it's this really cool concept. And the examples that you'll see most often are is they'll take like a broken piece of pottery you know, just like a, like a rice bowl that just sort of someone dropped it and it shattered into 20 pieces of pottery or glass. And they'll actually stitch it and glue it back together with like this like gold resin. So yeah. the finished result looked like this gold veined, awesome piece of pottery. And the aesthetic can be really amazing, especially when you have something that's like matte white or like matte gray, like stoneware. And then there's these like gold veins sort of going through it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm checking it out right now. It's almost like a like a marbling kind of effect. Right. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things that's you know very Japanese. It takes tons of patience and precision <laughs> and all those things that I only have a little bit of. Um, <laughs> so I've been experimenting it since I work a lot with concrete. Is like, can I figure out a way to sort of repair uh, cracks in concrete with something similar that's maybe a little bit more user friendly and, and easier? So. Me and my assistant, who also happens to be my youngest sister, um, we've been experimenting with different ways of repairing cracks in concrete uh, with sort of different combinations of whether uh, of, of resin or epoxy and then trying to how do you color that sort of metallic uh, by, by putting in really fine powdered metals and stuff like that. So what have you so, found so far? What works? What kind of doesn't work? We've been using a, a tabletop clear epoxy. And what we found that works really well is on Amazon, I got this really fine gold dust. And 
at first we tried mixing them together and putting in a syringe and sort of squirting it in, but uh, it looked a little bit like plasticky or almost like kind of like a weird sort of pearlescent coat. But the technique that we found that works best is we just put in the clear resin and then we just dust this really fine gold dust on top while the uh, resin's still wet. And it kind of sinks in just below the epoxy surface. But because the epoxy is really slick and shiny, it makes it look really metallic gold. And the powder is so fine, it doesn't look like glitter or anything like that. So I'll be posting some images of that on my Instagram at Benjamin Ueda. That's Um, awesome. And uh, yeah, so I'm currently obsessed with cracks. Okay, so my current obsession is Kintsuji. I just discovered it two minutes ago. (laughs) 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 Just joking. Um, No, so for me, um, this past, it's something that I'd always wanted to do, but I just never had a reason to. And and now I did was um, rendering. So rendering 3D models. And, you know, I've always liked drawing 3D models. I use SketchUp. But then getting a way to make them look photorealistic. So I just started researching it a little bit. There's like a bunch of different platforms that you can use. Some of them are super expensive. They seem super technical, but I found this one um, that's called Visualizer and it's just an extension for SketchUp. Uh, The only thing is it doesn't work with the newest versions of SketchUp. So you have to go download an older version. I think uh, 2015 or earlier will work, but I guess it used to be a paid thing, but it was always very affordable, but now it's totally free. And it's like not great. Like, you know, it doesn't look like a Pixar movie or anything like that, but it's pretty good. Like, and almost foolproof in terms of using it. It's pretty much you, you set your scene in, uh, in SketchUp and, you know, apply textures or whatever you want to your objects. And then you pretty much just open this extension and it'll start rendering. And the longer you let it go, the better of a render that you'll get. And then you can just kind of take screenshots along the way. And I found that I, I actually posted a picture of the Xbox stand that I just did on, on my Instagram account. And like, it looks photorealistic by the Wait, time you let that it wasn't render for like a picture? good 30 minutes. That's a rendering? No, that's a I rendering, thought that was yeah. a photo of it. I know. It looks like totally real. What? I basically just like recreated the living room where I take my pictures. Nice. And so if you use that and then just like put it into Photoshop and put a few little filters on it, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like change the warmth and, and stuff, you can get a really good looking picture. And it's, I mean, it takes basically no ability at all. So that's awesome. That's my obsession. Okay. Well, that is really cool. Um, my obsession for this week and the past couple of weeks has been power carving. Um, I'm working right now on a video with ArborTech, who, if you're not familiar with, they make a product called the TurboPlane, along with a few other products. And it's all based on the idea of what's called power carving, which is essentially strapping b- really high RPM blades to angle grinders and things like that to just really aggressively carve away wood. So that's where I maybe, been... maybe you should take that deal where you <laughs> yeah. get a little bigger. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, we've all jinxed ourselves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this week I'm working on, which is something I forgot to do, was tell you what I'm working on this week. But this week I'm working on a stool slash end table idea that's all built around using the turbo plane to make the shape of it. It's something that's all really, really freeform. Something that's not you know right angles here and stuff like that, which is what I normally do. So. It's a really, it's really been a learning experience for me, and it's been really, really fun. Hey, Mike, I got a question. So, 
Uh, that's something I've actually been interested in just trying out because it looks fun yeah. and like, you know, to be able to see something taking shape in, in kind of real time. So in your very limited experience, how hard or easy would you say it is like compared to whatever your just kind of expectations you had going in? Yeah, it's kind of different than what my expectations were. I kind of went into it with the same idea thinking that it's it's kind of the opposite of what we normally do where – Normally, woodworking is really additive. You know, we add this board and join it to this board to make something. But with this, I'm starting with a giant piece of a tree trunk and carving the stool out of it, you know, shaping and sculpting it from there. Right. So doing something uh-huh. that's, you know, subtractive is, you know, it's a whole different mindset going into it. But it's it's been relatively easy and not as tough as I thought it might be. So it's a lot of fun. And it's just, it's, I think a lot of it is, it's just like really fun, really playful. You're not really, you know, bound by all of these measurements and making sure that this is exactly square with this. As long as it looks good, then it is, then it is good, at least in the case of the project I'm doing. So it's kind of been a nice reprieve from the, from the monotony of making everything square. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i've used one of the 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 turbo planes before and it was it was awesome like i did uh i used it for someone carving down a large piece of uh reclaimed wood and in general i feel like the angle grinder is like an underrated tool i think so often people associate it with woodworking yeah but man with with the uh i've experimented with both the turbo plane which actually you can get really you can get pretty flat surprisingly flat surfaces for like a handheld yeah you know high rpm tool um it really th- can throw some big chunks of wood uh too so i, I definitely <laughs> uh went to full face shield when i was using I did it too yep. um but the yeah i think like the the angle grinder it's it's such an underrated tool they're not that expensive to get a corded one um it's like you know i think you can get one for like 40 45 bucks for oh, a wow. pretty powerful corded one yeah uh you can put a flap disc on it. Like I put like one of those like 40 grit flap discs and you can really just grind wood away. I mean, it's meant for like grinding down metal pretty fast. Yeah. But you can mm-hmm. really shape and smooth and, and sculpt wood in a, in a pretty cool way. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to hear because I was wondering about doing because the whole process of what I'm, you know, making is my plan is to I cut out the really rough shape with the chainsaw. Then I came back with the turbo plane and kind of refined the shape and actually got it to what the form is going to look like, you know, in the end. And my plan going forward was either to go with a belt sander and then an orbital sander or use a flap or disc sander on the angle grinder and then move to the orbital sander. So it's kind of cool to hear that the whole flap disc idea actually works really well with wood. So yeah, flat, flat discs are pretty awesome. Okay. On, uh, on awesome. Wood. Well, that's. I mean, they'll they'll definitely leave some like really deep sort of pitting, right. and you occasionally find like a little grit. So there, there's layers of sort of finishing sanding going over it. Yeah. Uh, but you can remove material incredibly fast. Okay, I'm gonna give that a shot because that's the next step that I'm going into on it. So cool. Nice man. I'm gonna now. I now I want you motivated me. I want to go get one now. It just seems yeah. like something that's like got that same. I, I don't do this either, but I know like a lot of people like lathes because it has that sort of immediate satisfaction. Yep. Yeah. So it kind of seems like it would appeal to that same desire. Absolutely. Yeah. The the yeah the Arbortech Turbo Plane. They actually have a pretty cool video on their site where they did one of those pieces of furniture where they it looks like a whole bundle of like birch logs together. And then they, they plane down the surface, uh, all together. It's, it's a, it's a very satisfying technique. And, uh, 
Yeah, they're not they're not cheap though. Though they're like a pretty expensive blade. No, yeah, they're not. And I saw that video about a, probably two years ago now, and I've always wanted to try one since then. But it was kind of hard to convince myself to pull the trigger on something that's. I honestly, I don't know how much they are off the top of my head, but something that's like seventy five, a hundred bucks, not knowing whether I'll actually be you know very good with it. So it's been a really yeah. it's been a really cool opportunity getting the chance to play around with it and actually find that it's a lot easier to use than you would think. Yeah. Nice. Well, I guess that's probably a good place to put the first episode to bed. I think so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we had a few little uh, rough edges here and there, but we can smooth them out with our ArborTech flap disk. <laughs> um, we'll just, but, yeah, we need, we need the flap desk of audio editing now. Yeah, yeah. that's Chris. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was definitely fun. So yeah, I'm looking forward to doing this on a weekly basis with you guys and, uh, you know, seeing what it can turn into. Absolutely. So where, where does everybody find you guys in this uh, interwebs? So the easiest way to find me is just search Modern Builds, whether that's Google or YouTube, and I should be, if not the first result, I should be up there pretty high. So, yeah, you can find me there. And for yep. me, just Google Four Eyes Furniture and, and you'll find me. And for me, just search uh, Homemade Modern. Um, yeah, I think, I think we should be at the top of the list, but... And uh, Instagram is where I normally sort of have the most real-time sort of updates of what I'm doing. Uh, But if you want to see the whole archive of all my work, Homemade Modern is the place to go. That's awesome. So thank you guys very much for listening. If you have any tips on how we can make the podcast better or any really cool segment ideas, anything like that, be sure to go to our website, which is modernmakerpodcast.com. And we've got a contact form where you can write us an email or you can attach a voice memo from your phone if you want to leave an audio message that we can play back on the show as well. So thank you guys very much for watching and we hope to see you again next week. Or just slide into our DMs. Yeah, that works too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye, guys.